0: So, we begin our series on healed and whole. Just to give you really a picture of who it is who heals, who it is who makes us whole. Jesus, the name above every name that could be named. I'm going to first talk about the authority of Jesus Christ. Where did that authority come from? The work of the cross. Jesus came to earth, came down in the form of man. He went to the cross to bear our sins, our sicknesses, our burdens, our sorrows. When he died on the cross, he conquered death, hell and the grave. From that point, he ascended on high to sit at the right hand of our Father and his Father, God in heaven. When he sat there, he had all authority because he took authority in hell. And all authority was given to him. So nothing named in the earth can be above the name of Jesus Christ. John chapter one, and I'm gonna go through some scriptures. We're gonna hear the reading of the word tonight. John chapter one, verses one and two. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, verse three. All things came into being through him, And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. I'll go on, verse four, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. He was there in the beginning. He was creating all things with the Father. Nothing was created without him being a part of it. There's his authority, number one. He is the creator. Let's go to John 14 and verse six. John 14 and verse six. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life No one comes to the Father but through me. No religion on earth has power to touch God in heaven, to communicate with God in heaven, except the ones who believe. For we can only go to the Father since that death and resurrection through Jesus Christ. There is his authority. Matthew 28. Verse eighteen, Matthew chapter twenty-eight and verse eighteen. Sorry. Jesus himself came up and spoke to them, his disciples, saying, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth." At this point, he hadn't yet gone to the cross, yet he was declaring what had already taken place in the heavens. And he was declaring what was about to take place when he went to the cross, that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth, so now the disciples could go. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Has anybody got it? Ephesians chapter 1. It used to be my Bible. Here we are. Verses 19 to 23. What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Jesus Christ was raised above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That's forever. Authority is his verse 22 and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all so he is our head and our authority and has authority now in the book of Matthew 12:8 Mark 2:23 onwards and Luke 6:5 We have a similar story, if you're not sure, these are called the Synoptic Gospels because in those three Gospels, you will find records of similar stories that you definitely do not find in the book of John. So they have some synergy with them. I'm going to read the story from Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28. Hallelujah. And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the sabbath and his disciples began to make their way along with with picking the heads of grain the pharisees were saying to him look why are you doing what is not lawful on the sabbath they're telling the one who is lord what's not lawful and he said to them have you never read what david did when he was in need and he and his companions became hungry how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Again, he is showing that he has authority over everything, that his name is the name above every name, and he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Nothing could control or rule over him. Jesus has all authority. Do we agree with that? I hope you agree with that at home tonight. He is the one with all authority. He is the name above every name. So I want to look specifically in the book of Mark and some other At some healings. As I said, a lot of the word tonight, what does the Bible say about the word of God? It says that the word of God is sharper in Hebrews than any two edged sword. It divides, and so you see truth and not truth. You see what the word says and what the world says. What does the Bible say about the word of God? That it will go forth from his mouth and that it does not return to him empty but it accomplishes that which it sent forth to do. Tonight you're hearing the word of God. You've heard about the authority of Jesus Christ. That cannot be taken away from Christ. That stands even as his word stands. And now we're going to look at some healings. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, I'm going to read. And he entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent because they knew what Jesus was about to do. They felt that he was tricking them. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. He does a miracle, and this is a classic example of Jesus Defying what man upholds, rules, regulations that hinder the power of God. Jesus overrode all of those rules and regulations, as we shared earlier in the scripture. Going over to Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Bartimaeus receives his sight. Then they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up, he's calling for you. Those who had said, shh, don't cry out, now they're saying take courage. (laughs) Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your fa- go, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Now it's interesting that Bartimaeus was crying out for mercy. He heard that Jesus was around and he began to cry out. He was rebuked, he was told to be silent, but he couldn't be silent. He cried out even more. Why? Can you hear his desperation at his situation? He didn't cry out because, you know, there was this little bit of hope in him that maybe one day I could see. He was desperate to be healed. So he was healed. But all of those years, through his life, blind Bartimaeus, what was he going through? What was happening to him daily as he desired to see, desired to have a different life, but there was no hope for him? Yet when hope came and he heard, he did not hold back, but he did all he could do With his little strength to be healed, he defied the shh, and he said, even more, have mercy on me. But what had he been going through in his mind all of those years, desperate to be healed? Let's flip back to Mark chapter 1. And in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, The leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but he had, to, but stayed out in unpopulated areas. And they were coming to him from everywhere for that miracle. So here is a leper who took a risk and came to Jesus. Why was it a risk? Because he wasn't allowed to be near people in society, he was an outcast. And notice he was asking to be cleansed. He didn't use the word healed, but to be cleansed. Leprosy was something that was seen. As dirty, it was incredibly infectious, and nobody could go near a leper. But he took a risk and he came to Jesus. He was desperate. He was desperate. He was desperate. He was telling Jesus that he wanted to be clean. And then he disobeyed Jesus and he told everyone what Jesus had done, why. What had he gone through in his life? An outcast in society. Not allowed to be near anyone. Scavenging. Struggling to eat. Not allowed to work. Alone. In his torment. In his torment. Was the healing really the cleansing? Or was there more to the healing? What was his life like before that day? What had he been going through? I'm going to look at Mark chapter 3, verse, from verse 7. Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples, and a multitude, a great multitude from Galilee followed, and also from Judea, and from Jerusalem. Wow, Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem. And from Edomia, and beyond the Jordan, and the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, A great number of people heard of all that he was doing and they came to him. A throng of people heard that he was healing and setting people free and they were rushing to him. And he told his disciples that a boat should stand ready for him because of the crowd so that they would not crowd him. For he had healed many with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed him in order to touch him. So here we see the desperation of so many people from so many towns and so many villages, desperate to be healed, desperate to meet the man of hope who could set them free. Multitudes were healed. We keep going, Mark chapter 6. I know it's a lot of scripture, but the word of God goes forth, and it doesn't return void mark chapter 6 verses 53 to 56 the healing at ganeseret when they had crossed over they came to land at Gennesaret, and moored to the shore and when they got out of the boat immediately the people recognized him and ran about that whole country and began to carry here and there on their pallets those who were sick to the place they heard he was. Wherever he entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring him, that means with desperation, asking that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were being cured. As many, they would come. They were desperate. They were made well if they got to touch him but they had to get up they had to seek him they had to find him out of their desperation what were they going through what was life like final scripture for this portion luke chapter 13 verses 10 onwards and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the sabbath and there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all when jesus saw her he called her over and said to her woman you are freed from your sickness and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying god of course we know that the people in the synagogue were not happy the officials indignant because Jesus had healed yet again on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, there are six days in which work should be done. So come during them and, not, and, and get healed and not on the Sabbath. So they're telling the people, out of your desperation, wait. There's six days it can be done, but on the Sabbath, just stay still. doesn't matter what you're suffering, how you're feeling, what you're going through. Don't come on the Sabbath because you're breaking the law of the Lord of the Sabbath. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day?" As he said this, all his opponents were being humiliated. And the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. How did this woman feel? 18 years. Hi, how are you doing, ma'am? Great, thanks. Can you reach that thing up there? No. How does your back feel today? So, 18 years. How did she feel? What was going on in her mind? What torment had she been going through? And all of these others who had gone desperately for healing, for wholeness. In the book of Proverbs 23, verse 7, The word of God says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In Philippians 4.8, I used to meditate on this a lot. Philippians 4.8, it says, finally brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things. How could they think about such things when they were oppressed and desperate for change in their lives? What torment was going on in their minds? No soundness of mind, but torment. When will I be free? When will I be whole? When will there be an end to this that's going on in my life? Yet hope came. I'm going to read the final scripture from Matthew 12, from verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off and a smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Every Jew that he ministered to on earth, every one of us who have received him as our Lord and Savior, and those whom he just wants to call and bless, he is the God of hope. Jesus is the name above sickness, the name above Torment, the name above the things that oppress the mind, the name above those thoughts that come morning, noon, and night. Whether it's caused from a sickness, whether it's caused from a situation that just won't change, whether it's caused from your own self image, whether it's caused from something that took place in your childhood and it still haunts you, whether it's caused from something that happened yesterday. Jesus is the name above every name. He's the name that heals. He's the name that delivers. He's the name that releases every mind from torment. The word of God, Jesus Christ, has the authority to release us tonight from torment of the mind, from those things that these would have suffered The torment of pain and sorrow and being laughed at in society. Do you believe tonight that whatever is troubling you, whatever is ailing you, but particularly the longevity of something you've carried that actually does not bring joy but brings torment, do you believe you can be free tonight? Do you believe that the Lord can heal you tonight? Do you believe that you can be delivered tonight from the name that is above every name? Do you believe that with the power of the word, you can be set free? I think Andrew must have prayed um, the scripture that I was using myself earlier on today in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we think on the things that give us the knowledge of God. And anything that comes that says, this is not going to change in your life, it's always going to be this way. I'm always going to feel sad and down. There's always going to be pain. Don't you understand that? The voices that will tell you that morning, noon and night, that you will never be free and that you will never be changed, are lies. The Word of God changes those things, brings those thoughts, those torments into captivity, cause them to obey Jesus Christ.